Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about exercise and breast cancer. We all know that staying active is good for you, both physically and mentally. But what about when you have breast cancer? When should you exercise? What type of exercise should you be doing? And how much of a difference does it really make? Not so long ago, people with breast cancer were told to rest during active treatment. Now it's the opposite. In this episode of Upfront, we're going to find out why health professionals now consider exercise to play a powerful part in the treatment and ongoing management of breast cancer. Joining us is Associate Professor Prue Cormie, an exercise physiologist who is at the forefront of research in this area. We also welcome breast cancer survivor Joe Francis. Joe's been diagnosed with breast cancer twice. 15 years apart and got very different medical advice about exercise each time. The first time round, exercise was not encouraged. More recently, exercise has been an important part of the treatment process and her life beyond cancer. Welcome to you both. Thank you. So, Joe, let's just take us through your diagnosed in 2001 for the first time and you had treatment and you were told to rest. I was. I um, was 26. I had actually just studied applied science human movement. So I was very active and working in the uh, in the regime, you know, in that area. Um, and, yeah, so when I had my chemotherapy, I was told to go home and get as much rest as possible. That was quite confronting for me because I was a very active person. I was playing basketball right up until day of diagnosis. Um, and for me just to be told to stop, which in my head I, I thought, well, I've got to, you know, trust in the professionals and what they were telling me. Um, and so I did what they, they told me. And that literally meant... Stopping. Stopping. So I was a personal trainer. I was doing fitness classes. I was working at the Harold Holt Swim Centre back then. Um, very active, up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, so literally within, you know, on the day of diagnosis, I, yeah, I had to stop everything. How did that make you feel? At the time, um, I think dealing with the cancer diagnosis was a real shock. So uh, although my mother had also been diagnosed with breast cancer at 44 years ago, so I knew a lot about it. But I, to be told that my lifestyle had to stop, so I was working in the gym and then I had to go and work on reception. So even that for me was a very different sort of um, process for me to, I know, yeah, deal with. So I was very active and I think it's really, you know, it's a very important part of your mental health. And yeah, but I did what the doctors told me. Um, I did that for probably 12 months. Prue, things have certainly changed, haven't they? Why has the train of thought within the medical fraternity changed? Yeah, it's it's completely backflipped on that advice. It's a, a full 360 from that. Um, we know now that's probably um, advice that would be harmful to people with breast cancer. 
outcome. So if you were told the same thing today, you would experience worse cancer-related fatigue, you'd experience much more physical deconditioning, you'd experience a lot worse mental health outcomes, a lot of distress, stress, depression, anxiety symptoms, um, and your overall quality of life would be poorer. Um, the reason why the, um, the actual advice has shifted so much is because we have evidence to show that withholding exercise is actually harmful that now exercise is probably the best medicine someone with breast cancer can take in addition to their standard cancer therapies. And that's because we know that, that women who exercise after a diagnosis of breast cancer have fewer and less severe treatment-related symptoms that I'm sure you would have experienced. Yeah, definitely. Um, everything you just said then, fatigue, yeah. everything, you know, I was a very fit, healthy person um, and then all of a sudden when I stopped everything, you know, it was... And at 26, you don't expect to feel fatigue at 26. No, not at all. Absolutely yeah. not at all. That wasn't me. Yeah. And, yeah, by not doing anything, I think that just... Con it was a continuation of just getting worse and worse and worse. Exactly. But I just thought it was the treatment as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's what it is. It's yeah. the treatment do, does these things. We know that exercise actually works to counteract those negative side effects of the treatment. The other thing that we do know, though, is that it's not just about managing those side effects. There's also observational data and research um, that shows us that women with breast cancer who exercise more after a diagnosis have a lower relative risk of their cancer coming back and they have a lower relative risk of dying from breast cancer. Okay, so what constitutes exercise? Yeah, it's a really, this is a really um, important point to get across today. So exercise is one word in the same way that cancer is one word. Cancer is one word that encompasses so many different experiences um, and exercise can be the same. So there is no one size fits all approach that's, that's appropriate for breast cancer patients. What's really important to remember is the evidence that comes from the scientific research that shows these benefits comes out of exercise that is done at a moderate intensity, which means that you need to be working somewhat hard to hard. So puffing, sweating a little bit, your heart rate's beating faster than it normally would. So it's not a stroll. It's not a stroll, you know, and, and unless you're Beyonce and you can sing and dance on stage, you can't maintain a normal conversation while you're walking. So it's a brisk walk while you're, something like you're running late for a really important appointment. Um, that is, is really important in terms of doing a moderate intensity. Doing it regularly is really important as well. Um, so making sure that it's not just one-off exercise. And also what's really important that's so often overlooked is that resistance exercise is a core component of the benefits that we see coming out of um, women with breast cancer who have actually benefited from exercise. So we're talking weights? It's lifting weights. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a gym, but that's usually the ideal place to be so you can control the safety um, and make sure it's really efficient in terms of what type of exercise. But it is, it's lifting weights, weight-bearing activity where you're actually stressing the muscle uh, at an intensity that prompts these changes within our bodies to allow us to actually counteract the negative effects of cancer and its treatment. Okay, so that's what I, I was going to ask. So you've got the, your cardio versus changes to the muscles. So that's the bit that's having the really big change. So they know it's both. So and again, there's no, you know, exercise isn't one medicine, it's a whole range of different medicines. So we know from a whole bunch of, of science and not just in breast cancer, but we know that exercise positively influence basically the, 
the structure and the function of all of our body systems and it does it simultaneously. There's really no other medication or therapy that can positively influence as many body systems as exercise can. Now, and it's free, sort of. Yeah, and and if you get the expert advice, and you know, we, if, for example, as an exercise physiologist, we understand what happens inside our body when we exercise. So by having that understanding, we can prescribe exercise in the same way that any doctor prescribes any kind of medication. So it's a specific type of exercise at a precise intensity or difficulty, um, and at a volume or how much, and that's based on what we call a mechanism of action or a specific change that happens with our muscles and our cardiovascular system, our hearts and our lungs, um, and, and, a, and a, a mounted a dosage, if you like. And all that's really finely tuned to make sure that we're targeting certain changes that could be really relevant for you, Joe. Yeah. you know, versus the next person who comes into the door. So that is clearly the difference between an exercise physiologist and a personal trainer. So there's a lot of wonderful exercise professionals out there um, and, and first of all, let me say very clearly that any activity is better than no activity. So, you know, if whatever you can do um, and, and whenever you can do it, so your capabilities will change throughout your treatment and, and recovery from treatments. So any activity is good activity. If you want to maximise the benefit that you get from your exercise, seeking professional help is, is certainly the best thing that you can do to do that. There's so many exercise professionals out there and it's really hard to know who to go and see. Um, so personal trainers are trained to work generally with healthy people who don't have any health concerns. An exercise physiologist, on the other hand, is someone who's specifically trained, goes through university, um, goes through four to five years of university um, and is accredited as an allied health professional and they specifically learn how to actually prescribe and deliver exercise to people with health concerns. Joe, the second time that you were diagnosed, which was in just a few years ago, you did embrace yes. uh, exercise because that was part of the new school of thought. Yes. What did you do and how did it change your recovery? Yeah, so when I was diagnosed the second time, we decided to, um, we opted for a double mastectomy, which you would think would stop you from exercising or you would be told not to, but from word dot, um, both my, my plastic surgeon and my breast surgeon both suggested exercise would be great when I was up to it. So it was important for me to be getting out of bed as soon as I could, walking around, moving as much movement as I could with my arms. It was a 10-hour operation, so it was actually very taxing on my body. I... Um, I was obviously on some medication that didn't make me feel particularly great at times, but I always made sure that I would get up, walk down the corridor, which even when I was having my chemo, I was told not to do, which you could do. You didn't have drainage tubes everywhere. Um, so the school of thought now, and I had the physio coming in every day, you know, just those kind of things were very different to my first time around. I found from also day dot by exercising uh, my mental health, was dramatically better. 
I fell in a heap first time around, to be completely honest. I was fine through my treatment, but then as soon as it stopped, again, I wasn't exercising because I was still told to rest until, you know, my body got back to normal. Um, and when you don't do it for a while, then you tend to just not do it. Yeah, the motivation's so, gone, isn't it? Absolutely. So I really fell in a heap and um, it was awful. I had depression, I had anxiety, I was, which again was not me. Um, and slowly worked my way back and realised uh, I was on antidepressants the first time. Um, and then I think it was about three years later, I decided to try getting back into exercise, back into netball, basketball, the gym. And as soon as I started doing that, I just saw the benefits straight away and could actually wean myself off my medication. Mm. This time round, I was a bit concerned. I had two small children who were three and five at the time and I thought, how are we going to cope with this? Um, but the exercise I was doing, my mental health has not even wavered one bit. I mean, I've had I've had days, but they've just been days. It hasn't been, you know, weeks of not wanting to get out of bed. And I really do, um, I guess I a lot of... A lot of that probably stems from being very physical and I'm back playing netball with the school mums and just things like that. It's just getting out and doing something for yourself as well. And I would never have thought two years ago I'd be, you know, running around a netball court with new boobs and, you know, my stomach half cut and just, you know, it was it was a really proud moment for me to be able to do that and also be encouraged by my medical team. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really funny that, you know, but as as we, we normally expect, everybody expects to get better physically when we exercise, the, the mental benefits oh, are massive. And that's, you know, your experience is, is not unique. It's so common to all of the breast cancer patients that we work with. And we know this from from the scientific evidence that that exercise does lower the um, the severity of any kind of depressive symptoms and lower the rates of depression and anxiety. And we know this is not the case just for for breast cancer patients, but people in general. Um, exercise is a first line treatment approach. And endorphins. I was speaking to someone this morning about that, and we were discussing that first time around when I was exercising a lot. You've got all these endorphins going around. Then when you stop that stops. So that has a huge impact on you. Second time around when I was exercising, you know, all those endorphins are back and it's it's a natural drug, I guess, in conjunction with what I had to go through and what I had to take. And I listened to my medical staff, but that was probably one of the best pieces of advice that I got and was completely out of the blue because I just expected them to turn around and say to me now, go home and rest, take it easy, don't, you know, this time it's completely different. And it gives you an opportunity to then participate in your oh. care. Right, you've got this active choice to actually say, "Hey, I'm going to do something to I try." I had to do the dishes. Yeah, I had to get up and do. <laughs> Couldn't get out of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Incidental exercise. Yeah. BCNA's online network is an active peer-to-peer -peer support community where people affected by breast cancer can find information and connect with others who understand what you're going through. Read posts, write your own, ask a question, start a discussion and support others. The online network is available for you at every stage of your breast cancer journey, as well as your family, partner and friends. For more information, visit bcna.org.au forward slash online network. Jo was quite active before her uh, initial diagnosis and that's great for people who are into their fitness and are active what about those that aren't so they're not really fit and that sometimes is a bit of a snowball effect because then you get the guilt women that are 
might be a little bit overweight, like I should exercise, and the health professional is saying you've got to lose weight either either before surgery or to stop recurrence. So how do you approach, what's the first step for someone that's really not into exercise? The first thing is to acknowledge that it's daunting. It's scary starting an exercise program. You, you know, you, you're usually going into a place where everybody knows what they're doing. They all look super competent. Um, this is, it's, everybody goes in, when you first start, everybody goes in being quite terrified of, of starting. Everyone in their active wear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's, it's a really, really common thing to feel scared of, of initiating an exercise program. We we work with so many women who have never before um, even put on a, a pair of runners, um, who've never worn active wear and still won't wear active wear. You don't need to, uh, but th- that's that's the norm. You know, I think it's it's unusual to probably have someone as active as you before the cancer diagnosis coming in. So it's first of all, I would say I think that because it's, I was young as well. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, being so young, that's why I was active. Whereas my yeah, I think that probably played a little bit of a part in it. Mm. I wasn't as active second time. I was still active, but I was running yeah, after two small kids. kids. I was 43. Life's like, in the way. That's it. That so, sort of thing, yeah. yeah. And you have all the normal things that every uh, barriers that everybody has to engaging in exercise. On top of that, then you're going through this mm. really horrific experience, which takes a massive toll on you physically and mentally. And that makes it even harder. That, that road is even steeper to get engaged in exercise. I would absolutely recommend that someone who's who's in that situation to then seek out professional help. If you go and see an exercise physiologist who's got experience working with breast cancer patients, they'll be able to chaperone you through that process. Um, we've done a lot of research with women who've never before exercised and they always talk about having that structure and support as really essential components to actually initiating that habit and, and learning how to exercise and learning why to exercise and then feeling the benefits and finding that intrinsic motivation to say, hey, I'm going to prioritise this. This is going to be really important for me to look after me. Perhaps the thought there is... You don't have to go and throw yourself into that gym no. format, which can be, you know, very intimidating, especially when you're doing weight resistance. That can actually be low impact, if you like, but the weight bearing still have fantastic effects. There's... there's so many different ways to actually exercise and no one way is going to work for all women. Um, there's no right or wrong way. There's there's ways that will be more beneficial for you and probably more efficient in terms of getting the results that you want. Um, but again, if you just have one, it's just one conversation with an exercise physiologist, a professional who knows what they're talking about, who can tailor the exercise advice specific to you and your circumstances. And and that's really critical to then helping people actually get going with the exercise program. And it's really important to know where to go for that information. So I guess I was told to exercise, but I was never told how who to go to, where to get the advice. Maybe I didn't sort of seek it either because I knew a little bit more about it, but I think that's really important for someone who's diagnosed and going through this to actually know where to go to get the appropriate information for their appropriate diagnosis. Absolutely. And that's and that's not uncommon either. So, yeah. um, so exercise physiologists and physiotherapists are the most appropriate health professional to be seeking out this advice from. And is that via a GP or so direct? You can, you can call up straight away. You, you can look up. There's 
online directories, um, and we can we can put some links, I assume, next to the podcast. So we'll put some online directories for um, finding an exercise physiologist close to you. You pop in your postcode and you can find someone who's close to you. Um, There's also directories that we um, can share where people have actually learnt how to work with breast cancer patients. They've gone through professional development courses so they know what lymphedema is and what peripheral neuropathy is. And that helps, isn't it? Because when you've got someone that actually knows about some of the issues that women and men with breast cancer have, and I guess also it there puts to bed some of the excuses. Oh no, I've got a I've got a sore back, or I've I've got this. There is something. There's always something someone can do. Always, we can always do a workaround. So, um, and if you go and see these people, you can other have a straight. You can pick up the phone and call them straight away without a referral. You can actually go and see your general practitioner, um, your GP, and ask for what's called a chronic disease management plan. And that way, those services can be subsidised through Medicare. Private health insurance now will subsidise some. Yeah, fantastic, because it all adds up. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And these are the things I think we need to be aware of because even myself, I'm not aware that I could get some of these services, which I would in a heartbeat, to be honest. And knowing somebody that's maybe specialised in reconstruction from a DEP, like that would really be beneficial to me and getting core strength and getting my heart back to, you know, after all the treatment. So it's it's good to know that you guys are around. And there's, you know, you've just identified a whole bunch of things that are really unique to um, a unique skill set. And how do you work around those with exercise? knowing that, hey, maybe the chemotherapy has actually aged your heart yeah. quite totally, rapidly. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe the hormone therapies you're, you're on are stripping away your bone quality. You know, maybe your shoulders haven't recovered very well after that 10-hour surgery. Yeah. And, you know, th- those types of things are what, if you go and seek out professional advice, you'll be able to not only do the right exercise for you, you'll be able to do it in the right way in the sense that you can continue to exercise um, and manage your own exercise program or get involved in a program that is supervised and you could have more more contact with. Because I'm going back on tamoxifen soon. I actually took myself off for personal reasons and um, a lot of the women I've spoken to who are now coping with the side effects that I've had, I thought after chemo and a double mastectomy I'd be fine to take this little white pill but to be honest it's been very difficult and yep, everything and um, the one thing that I am doing is looking into exercise because I know I'll be mentally strong, I'll be physically strong to deal with what comes next. And, um, yeah, so that's one really important thing for me moving forward when I'm about to take the tamoxifen again that I get back onto my physical, you know. Again, it's probably the best medicine you can take alongside the tamoxifen. Which I wasn't doing before and I think that that had a bit of a detrimental effect as well. So what about during active treatment? We've heard quite a few stories of women that are exercising even that little bit more just prior to a chemotherapy session, can it actually enhance the effects of your chemo treatment? So the simple answer to that is we don't know yet. So there's not enough research to say can exercise potentially enhance the efficacy or the the value of that chemotherapy? There's a lot of theories around how that may happen, um, but we don't yet know. So what we do know from the research evidence, though, is that women who exercise during their their chemotherapy 
actually can tolerate greater dosages of that chemotherapy and they have less dose modifications, meaning that you basically you can manage your side effects better. Wow. So irrespective of what time of day you do that in relation to your chemo, if you're exercising during your chemotherapy regime, you actually can tolerate that better. So you bounce back quicker. And you can actually get more cancer-killing drugs. So the potential ability of the, the chemotherapy to then slow the growth of that cancer and prevent its spread is then much higher because you're getting a higher dosage. Um, Did you know that, Joe? No, I wish I had have known this first time round because it would have been... I would have been on board, that was for sure. And, and it's really interesting about that data is that resistance exercise in that space becomes really, really important. So it's not just doing your cardio, going out for a walk, it's actually lifting weights during that time that we see the most pronounced benefit. Gee. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on within, you know, when you, when you actually we look at uh, mice and we research mice or we, we look at what happens inside the cells and around the tumours and, and there's a whole bunch of things that are happening with people who are exercising versus not exercising that may lead us to, to believe that something with exercise is actually influencing the way that the cancer cells spread. I've noticed in it where I'm having my treatment at Peter Mac, they actually have a, um, a gym there now for people with going undergoing treatment and they're having their chemo and going in there and having a walk or a run or whatever it is that they want to do and I'd never seen that before. I was only introduced to it maybe about six months ago. Absolutely and that's that's certainly the advice as, as soon as you can start exercising closest to the diagnosis mm. as, as possible that's great um, and if you can maintain exercise during chemotherapy which is really hard and challenging mm. but you'll actually be able to you won't experience as, as bad side effects as you had the first time around. It must also aid sleep, which is a huge problem for so many people with breast cancer because poor sleep has that cumulative effect, uh, whether it's because of lymphedema, reconstruction, poor sleep just begets poor sleep and exercise has got to be great for sleep. Yeah, so we don't know enough in, in breast cancer patients around how exercise influences sleep quality. What we know is from some self-report, so from, from people actually saying, I, I think my sleep is better um, following exercise during, you know, after breast cancer. So I think we're, there's, there's a lot more work we need to do to really understand how and why that can happen, but certainly from understanding what how exercise influences sleep outside the cancer space, mm. we know that there's a really positive association um, with sl enhancing sleep quality. And so if you're doing the right sort of exercises during active treatment, how does that then transition to post-treatment and well beyond. So if basically you won't experience as severe treatment-related side effects. So when you finish, Joe, your, your treatment and you were trying to then build back up to eventually getting to play netball again, yeah. that would have been much quicker if you were able to exercise throughout. Yes. So instead of like going into a deep dip of, of a whole range of different symptoms, you actually don't get that far down. So you can bounce back a lot better. Certainly if you can maintain that, that level of exercise and eventually increase it as you're feeling better, we know that what that means in terms of preventing recurrence and preventing potentially other cancers, other chronic diseases such as um, heart disease and diabetes and obesity, it's going to be extremely important to maintain that exercise. Is it ever too late? 
to start? Never, never. And, and it doesn't matter at what level. You, you start today and you start where you're at and then you just progress from there. And the progressions sometimes will just be um, maybe, you know, tomorrow I walk a minute longer than I did today or a little bit faster. There's going to be days where you don't feel very good. I, I don't have breast cancer and there's plenty of days that I don't want to exercise, right, and I do this for a living. That's just, that's normal. So, you know, it's start where you're at today, try and progress and but listen to your body and understand that there's some days that you won't be able to do as much as you may like to do. So it really is the magic pill exercise. Well, it is. it certainly has a lot of effects for physiological, mental, socially, um, to our overall well-being that I think you could... You would be hard-pressed to find anything that's better than exercise um, to help support people through their, their cancer treatment. Joe, the final word to you, the, the difference that it's made to your life? Oh, this time round, I, it's chalk and cheese, to be honest. First time was just... Um, it was a whirlwind of emotions. I was not the Joe that everybody knew and this time round, I think that um, being able to or being told by the professionals that it was in my best interest to exercise has made a huge difference and like you said before even just socially being around other people doing it has been great and just something for yourself I mean you go to hell and back and it is something just for yourself um, but it also enhances my life at home with my children my husband and outside of that and I think you know there's nothing better and you know when you've been given a cancer diagnosis you know, there's no time like the present and I'm one of the lucky ones to still be here so I may as well make the most of it while I've got, got the chance. And a word of encouragement for someone who just doesn't feel like getting off Oh, look, couch. I've been there, believe me, I was there for years and um, it's it's funny, like I'll come home from a game of netball and I'll say to my husband every time, oh, my God, I feel so good. I don't know what, you know, what it is and he's like, this is, this is you, this is what you like to do. I think, and like you said before, slow steps, mm. you know, that's it, just walk an extra minute every day and then you might actually begin to enjoy it. But you, you've just uh, articulated what we can't do in the science. So, um, so many of our participants in our programs talk about the intangibles of exercise and that's that they actually move beyond being a patient and get back to living again. Yeah. So it's refining who, who you are, are as a person, being able to re-engage in, in your work life, your family life, your social life. These are the things that exercise gives. Yeah, and sometimes we have all the excuses in the world, like you said before, oh, I can't can't lift a weight, I've got lymphedema. Well, actually, yeah, you can, and if you do, it's going to help your lymphedema. Absolutely. So I know that for a fact. <laughs> Thank you, Prue and Joe, for being upfront with us about exercise and breast cancer, an episode made possible with thanks to Dry July. If you would like more information about exercising when you have breast cancer, there are links to resources on our website, bcna.org.au. The opinions of our guests are very welcome, but not necessarily shared by BCNA. If you have any individual concerns, please contact a health professional. We'd love to know what you think of our podcast series, so please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Until next time, I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being upfront with us. Thank you.